Good morning, everyone. Did anybody work on Scratch a long time? Yes. I'm hearing some stories about lots of hours. Uh, maybe I should have said no more than one hour. Was it fun? Awesome. Um, for the recording, today is March the 2nd, 2011. This is Technology for Teachers. I'm Wes Fryer. And today we are going to... Um, do our quick intros, we're going to have Pecha Kuchas, and then we're going to uh, just work on Scratch and uh, share some things, have a chance for you to ask questions about things. There's stuff Lorelai was asking before class, how can I have a score? I want to make my penguins make you know the snowflakes disappear, and so we're looking at that and how, how to do that. Um, we are going to continue to work on Scratch this week as well as next week. Your assignment for this week is to make another Scratch project, which you save, and we'll talk about that. And I know it's not finished. I mean, we're all just experimenting making stuff, right? But what I hope is that, you know, you make something for, the, for last week, you make something for this week, and then next week we'll have something to turn in. It may be the same project that you just, you know, incrementally improve, or you might try something different. This week I'd like you to try something that involves some storytelling, and we'll talk about ways that you can make one sprite respond to another. So when the penguin touches the snowflake, it makes a sound. You know, or something, or it hides, or something else like that happens. So, um, please make sure you um, click our attendance link uh, that says 9 a.m. or the 9 o'clock uh, for week 8, and check in for today. The video I'm going to show you to start is real quick. It is just about a minute and 48 seconds long. It's from a new book by Douglas Thomas and John Seely Brown called A New Culture of Learning. And this was the source, a blog called Brain Pickings that uh, somebody shared on Twitter. And there was uh, this video along with John Seely Brown discussing tinkering. This is a longer 10-minute video, and I'm not going to show it. But part of why Scratch is so awesome is because we make stuff, we tinker with it, we try stuff, it doesn't work, we try something else, we might ask a friend, we might get frustrated, we might go to sleep, we might get an idea, and try something else. That whole process is a very good process. That's a very different process than just watching a video on YouTube or just listening to a lecture or just, you know, even writing an essay. It's a different process. So this is what um, one of the co-authors, Douglas Brown, says about why digital media and learning is so important and why we need to shift as people, not just teachers but students too, from just consuming the media to creating the media. Because when we create content, um, we think in different ways and we develop our, our minds in different ways. Right now, I'm looking at the ways in which um, kids and people are learning from video games. And my most recent project is going to be dealing um, with uh, rereading a Mary Shelley's novel Frankenstein called Modern Prometheus. What we see is really important about digital learning is that it seems to be an area which really grabs the imagination of kids. Digital learning represents a new kind of learning, which means that children are both critical consumers and producers of new information. Particularly fascinating example of the way in which kids are learning to remix media, um, and they're creating their own narratives, their own stories, uh, their own systems of resistance in some cases to make powerful arguments about things. I think we're actually stuck in a mode where we're using old systems of understanding learning to try to understand these new forms. And part of the disjunct means that we're missing some really important uh, and valuable data and valuable theories, in fact, about the way in which 
which this sort of thing works. So I think part of what this initiative should be about is really pushing forward that agenda to figure out how it is um, that kids are learning in terms of digital media, as well as what they're learning. How many of you have created a video at this point on a mobile phone? Has anybody done that? Did you do it on an iPhone, or what did you, or, okay. It is unbelievable to me that we've got the power of a computer in our pocket, potentially, today. And so there's a lot of different ways we can create media and share. In a lot of our schools today, it's still a big deal if we use PowerPoint, you know, and teachers are, are impressed. Oh, wow, look, look at the PowerPoint. You know, if no one in that class or that school has created with PowerPoint before, that is a big deal. You know, but it shouldn't be a big deal because that is really just, you know, a, 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 it's, it's moving in the right direction, but it's just one step, I guess. So it's, we want to celebrate every step of the way. And if I've never created with, with media before and I've never done uh, a PowerPoint before, that's an exciting step. What's not exciting is if we stop and we say, ha ha, I've arrived. We're all good. You know, this is all we need to do. That's just one step in, in the direction. So my app share today is a, is a little app called Splice. It's actually free with banner ads, but the ads that I had were for Guinness beer. So if you're using it with kids, you might want to pay the $2 and get the ads. But the function of the app itself is the same whether you are uh, using the free version or the $2 version. I've used three different apps so far to actually edit a video. And after spring break, one of the departments here in the college has purchased flip video cameras. And I don't know if they're in a tub or a cart, where they are, but we're going to check them out. I want to say this is two weeks after spring break and our class that day is just going to be making videos and I'm going to have um, some different interview challenges. We might brainstorm them together. You're going to go out with a partner or two. You're going to interview some people. You're going to come back. And we're going to publish them. It's not going to be an edited video. It's just going to be a quick, we shoot, shoot the video and, and publish it and, and see how that process works. But a lot of times we can create a better video when we edit it. And so being able to cut off the beginning or the end, um, you know, in this case, uh, my daughters, they have a web show called The Zebra Print. And so uh, they teach different things. They teach how to use art. And uh, my, my youngest, who's seven, had shown how to draw a stink bug. Well, she took five minutes to do that. And so what I did in this app was I said, make that twice as fast. So it cut down the time, and then she did a voiceover later explaining how to do that. It's a little bit, there's a teacher in um, Florida called Lee Colbert, and she had asked me uh, on a blog comment, is that like painting on a grain of rice? Said, yeah, it is a little bit, because your finger, you're getting it on there in this little screen. Um, but, you know, it's, and it wasn't perfect. We didn't mute the audio entirely for her voice, and so she sounds a little bit like a chipmunk um, it, talking in the background, too. But uh, we, this has a title. This has, you know, different episodes. We've cut it. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I'll just play a little bit of it.
of her hair. Okay, so this was the part that took five minutes, and in the app, we sped it up twice as quick, and then she went in later and, and added her voice. And the synchronization wasn't exactly right, and later on, you get to hear um, her um, sounding like a chipmunk, because we didn't mute the other track out perfectly. But, wow, how incredible is that? Very neat, easy to be able to share, um, and there's all kinds of literacy skills that are developed when we are creating you know, content and media like that. Um, there's a lot of irrational fear that we have today. Oh my gosh, my child's on the internet. We're going to all be kidnapped and murdered. I mean, literally, people think that. Okay? It's important to ask people about their fears. What are you fearful of? Well, I'm fearful of predators. Well, okay, predators are, are, are out there and available. Have you talked to you know, your children about how to respond if, if somebody wants to meet them face-to-face? -face? There's a whole conversation to have about that. Uh, it's possible that anybody can be stalked. Anybody know someone who's been stalked for real in real life? Okay. Technology is not the source of that. It's somebody choosing to do evil and bad things to someone else. And there's different situations. You never want to publish a student's picture or, you know, their, their video or anything like that without their parents' permission. I had children when I taught fourth grade who there was a, it wasn't a restraint, it was a restraining order on the parent. And we had to keep the child, the child's, um, identity a secret. Okay. That they were at school in this place. It was a big deal not to let the world know, you know, where this child went to school and, and where they were. So uh, we don't want to do things that unnecessarily put children at risk. But at the same time, we don't want to live with our heads in the sand and act stupid thinking that, oh, my gosh, you know, my daughter has a video on YouTube and, and now, you know, we're all going to die. That, that's not the case. Um, there's a lot of different cases of where, you know, YouTube has led to some pretty amazing things. I'm not going to show you the Justin Bieber video that I saw from Jimmy, what's his name, the late night comedian guy? Jimmy Kimball. Have you all seen that where the girl who cries over Justin Bieber? Anyway, it has 25 million views. Go take a look at it later. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened. I mean, if it wasn't for YouTube, nobody would have known about Justin Bieber. And isn't it interesting how much hate there is for him? Um, I've actually found there's just a lot of hate in the world. There's a lot of angry people. And um, I don't know about you, but um, a story of somebody who came rags to riches, has worked really, really hard, and now is, is having a dream come true for his family, uh, it's a pretty compelling story. So anyway, YouTube, lots of things that we can do about that. I want to mention something about commenting. We're going to have uh, Petra Kucha presentations here in a minute. And just like we have commenting guidelines for our blogs, keep in mind when you're commenting for your uh, classmates, many of you are doing a marvelous job giving some good feedback and comments. But there are a few people saying things like, nice job, good, no comment. Okay? 
This is your opportunity to practice commenting and to be thoughtful in your feedback for a classmate. Your classmate will receive those comments. They will see those words. Do not underestimate the power of words and the importance of words. When you have a class of, I mean, just our class here, we've got about 15 of us here today, I will have limited opportunities to speak to you know, some of you individually. One of the biggest things I felt guilty about as a classroom teacher was I usually paid attention to the kids who were in trouble, right? Because I had to deal with that. And maybe I would pay attention to the kids who were excelling and participating in class. But what about those quiet kids? What about the ones that were there and doing their work and learning? But I didn't say anything to them. Entire weeks passed where I might not have individually acknowledged them as a learner and as a human being. And if we know anything about dropouts and why kids you know, become disenchanted with school and also why many don't thrive in school, it's because of relationships and it's because of connections that we make. Sometimes that's the custodian, other times it's the teacher, it could be the student teacher, it could be a parent volunteer, there's all kinds of ways. But anyway, keep in mind the content guide, commenting guidelines, I have those, um, they've been on our website, but I have them linked and just keep those in mind as we make comments both on blogs as well as on um, our peer evaluations. Um, last thing I want to talk about before we start the Pecha Kucha presentations, on our site, I've got a link that I'd like you to click on now, and there's only 15 people that can get into this, so it may be that you'll have to um, give some input for your neighbor. The link says Scratch Assessment, okay? It's the fourth link for today for week eight, and it goes to this TypePad page. Has anybody heard of Etherpad before? Etherpad is a now an open source tool. It was purchased by um, Google. When you go to this, go ahead and enter your name. Click up here um, and put in your name. Um, it has a, a limit of letting 15 people be in the document at one time. And so you can go ahead. Oops. You can go ahead and put your name in. And what this lets us do is collaborate in real time on this document. And so I have just said this is a brainstorming uh, document, and I want to brainstorm how we're going to assess our scratch projects. Um, and so what I'd like to do is, and I didn't start my timer up here, maybe I can do this as a demo. Um, one of the things you're going to learn about, we will learn about together for the smart board, is there's a program that comes with the smart board called Smart Notebook. Usually when I use a timer, I will open up the um, website online-stopwatch.com and we'll go to that. Smart Notebook is a program that comes with every smart board. You download it and put it on your system. And it allows you to create documents and um, to, uh, to do things. And, oops. It has different kinds of widgets that we can put in, different kinds of objects. And so uh, if I type the word stopwatch in here, or maybe it's timer. One of the things that you might think about doing, and I probably you know, could model this too, is it's sort of tough to be typing on the keyboard when you're up at the front. If you don't have your smart board um, 
right next to your computer, you could have a student who's up there uh, at the front, and um, they could, you know, be, be typing. So there's a couple timers that come with the smart board. So I can drag these out, and I can use these. These are interactive. There's all kinds of things that I can do with the smart board. You know, I can write, can mess up, can erase. Um, and we're going to learn about how to do these different things. But I just wanted to show this because... Uh, have to get my arrow again. I should. No, oh, that's a little bit too much. Okay, maybe this will work better. Great. I didn't want to give you 10 minutes. Uh, here's a 10-minute counter. So this should, this should give us um, a one-minute counter to brainstorm. What I want you to do is um, turn to your neighbor. I want you to talk about these things, and I want you to put in some ideas and just type them right here. So if we have an outstanding scratch project, what could we say about the scripts? And just type something on a line and, and put that on a new line. If um, it's an outstanding project, what might we say about the sprites? It's a creative project. What's something that would be true about it? And how would it reflect, reflect computational thinking? Okay? Some of you may have to move if you're by yourself, so uh, get with somebody. I'm going to actually... And what about those people who can't get in here? Um, just uh, go to, next to somebody who is, and then you, you can uh, talk with your ideas. Yeah, because yeah, everybody doesn't have to type on it, and we'll see this happen live. Okay? So we got two minutes to do that. Go. Yeah, you might have to get on a new line. We can step on each other in there. Just kind of figure it out. Okay, thank you for that irritating timer, um, but it got our attention.
Cool. So this is a website that is running Etherpad. Um, it's open source. Anybody can run it on their server. Different people are running it for free. So type with me dot type with dot me is one instance of it. You simply go to that site and then. Uh, what I did in this case was I put the word scratch and it said, there's not an ether, um, etherpad called scratch. Do you want to create it? Yeah, I do. There's not a um, login. You don't create an account. There's issues with this, right? Anybody can put anything. You don't have to put your real name. You know, we could have disruptive, inappropriate things put up there. Um, but it's also really awesome that nobody had to give an email. Nobody had to have an account. We just got into it. We started putting in our information and it gave everybody a different color. So. We're going to uh, continue to brainstorm this uh, next class period with the 11 o'clock section. Um, you can feel free to put in some additional information here. What I'm going to do is take this information and create a rubric, and I'll share that next week, and that's what we'll use to assess our project. Okay? My goal with Scratch is to help energize you with some new ideas of a space that you can create in and your kids can create in and for you to get stretched. Okay? It's not that you're going to have to create an amazing game that's just going to blow my socks off or anybody else's socks off. You know, It's that you are going to learn some stuff. You're going to create some things, get an idea of how it works to be at least comfortable enough to think about sharing it with your kids. I am not the master of Scratch. In fact, I know, you know I taught about it last semester and I played with it an hour and a half this week, you know, for my assignment to, to do my, my little bit. Uh, so I learned some new stuff. The more we work with it, the more we learn. So please don't be intimidated. Please don't feel like, oh, I just am not going to be able to do this. You are. You're going to be able to create something and share something and learn about it, and that's the goal. But we need to be somewhat specific about our expectations. And when I say I want it to be creative, you know, I need to give some other ideas of that. What does that mean, Wes? What, if it's creative, how, how am I going to know that? That's a lot harder than saying, do you know the capital of Oklahoma, right? That's the low end of Bloom's taxonomy at knowledge and comprehension level. We're at a, a higher level when we're creating something like that. Okay, so if you want to continue to put some things in there, feel free to do that. Um, what we need to do now is shift to our Pecha Kucha time. So on our website for today, you should be able to click the link that says uh, PK Student Presentations. And for peer evaluations for 9 a.m., I've got uh, our folks who have signed up for today to be able to go. So if you will um, give them some good evaluations, and we will invite whoever would like to go first to come on back. We will...
I mean, I've been in the cafeteria. The, the children don't choose that. They'd rather have the French fries, the tater tots, or the mashed potatoes. They don't. They don't look at them and like, oh, I'm going to have some fruit instead. And I think maybe if we didn't have so many of those choices, children would have to eat the fruit, and that would be their only option. Um, in December 2010, the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act was signed into law, and the goals are for healthcare, lunch programs, and to fight child obesity. It commits $4.5 billion over the next 10 years, but that's only six cents a meal. And when you think about it, that's, that's not a lot. Um, and that's what causes the budget pressures for schools to sell popular but nutritionally poor foods. Um, the CDC child obesity has tripled in the last three decades, and I think it has a lot to do with um, the foods in schools, but also the lack of exercise. Children aren't going home and playing outside or riding their bikes. They're playing on the computer or playing their video games and watching TV. So um, that's, I think that has a lot to do with it also. And like I said, some of the schools do have fruits as an option for their size, but they're just, they're not... Children aren't choosing that, and I think parents need to make, um, like, eat more of this stuff at home so their children will want to eat it at school, or send your children with this stuff to school instead of letting them buy their lunch and make their own choices at school. And I think we should have more of a uh, nutrition curriculum in our classroom so we can model for the kids healthier choices and um, just give them more information about it. And I checked on like the more public schools, their breakfast menu, they had cinnamon rolls one day, biscuits and gravy. There was only one day where they had cereal and they had um, donuts another day and then like a breakfast pizza, which is like, just like a frozen pizza that they heat up, you know, it's, it's not healthy at all. And then like for their lunch menu, they had chicken nuggets, cheeseburger, corn dog, and like steak fingers, but they all had rolls, mashed potatoes, french fries. And then like at the bottom, they said there was choices of fruit, you know, but none of the kids, none of the kids choose the fruit. And then um, with all the candy in the classrooms, like I know a lot of teachers use it as rewards. And I think we should maybe change that. But I think also, Parents just need to have a more important role in, you know, guiding their children in healthier choices so that kids will make better choices at school when they're not with their parents.
Um, the five shoes that they offered for Nike offered for that was the Vomero Five. Um, it's got a lot of cushioning in the heel. Um, the forefoot has a lot of cushioning in the forefoot too. As you can see where the blue is. Um, it's mesh on the top for breathability, especially for runners because you need your feet to breathe. Uh, the next one they recommended was the Pegasus 27. Um, it has a soft, cushy bottom and midsole, according to Nike. Um, it's also got the mesh top. It's real lightweight. Uh, it's going to be good to keep you just striding right down the middle so you don't roll either. Um, the next one they have that they recommended was the Nike Free Run. And free, there's a lot of different types of freeze. Um, freeze, you can bend. They're free to run, basically. You can bend them, turn them, twist them. Um, this one is the free run. Uh, the best thing about the Nike Freeze is they have a barefoot feel. When you put them on, it's like wearing a sock. And some people don't like that when they run in them. But it really, the best thing for your body is, if you're a neutral runner is to be as flat as you can because you're going to just step with your foot instead of rolling one way or the other. Um, they also did the Air Max 2011. It has a full air bottom. Um, where a lot of shoes will just have air like in the heel or just in the front. And that gives you cushion, but... When you try it on, it goes all the way from the front to the back. It is a, it's a good feeling. It's very, very soft. Um, it also has flyware on the top. This is a, the Nike Free 3.0. Also has the real barefoot feel to it. Um, it's real lightweight. You can turn, twist it. Um, the other type of runners that there are is underpronators. Only 5% of people are underpronators, which means we roll this way. Um, a couple shoes that they uh, recommended for underpronating was like the Air Max 2010, which is real similar to the 2011. Um, it's going to have a full Air Max bottom as well. It's going to have the fly wire on the side, which make it light with the mesh as well. Um, most people don't supinate, but here's the 2010. It's real similar to the 2011. Um, to me, the 2011 has more cushion. This one has a little bit more stability, which will help with underpronating. Um, the next one they recommended for this one was the, the Nike Free 7.0. Um, there's a lot of advantages to this free. For one, the laces are on the side. Um, it's kind of hard to see in this picture, but the laces don't go straight down the front of the foot. They kind of curve to the side to take the pressure off the top of your foot because a lot of runners complain about the laces being too tight and not enough support. Um, it's also going to be very, very lightweight. It's the closest thing to the, um, the toe shoes, the five-finger shoes, without actually being nothing. Um, and the next one was the Lunar Max. It has the Lunar in the front of the foot and on the other side um, to keep you from supinating or overpronating, but it also has an air heel, which kind of gives the best of both worlds on that. A lot of people like either Lunar or Air. Um, this one will be both. Um, also, it's a one-piece tongue. It doesn't have a tongue that moves. It's going to be one piece with another slide. Um, I got all of this, most of the information about the shoes on Nike's website. This was just a picture of their website. But they have a thing where you can go to the running section and you can pick your type of arch, whether it's a high arch or middle arch or low arch. Um, and then you can pick if you're an overpronator, neutral runner, or supinator, and then it will give you the best five shoes that you should run in. Um, I have a lot of shoes. just thought I would put that in there. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't mine. Um, that's awesome. I still have a couple more. Um, it, it really looks like a lot. It's kind of a lot. Most, most of my running shoes are at the bottom. Um, so I have like 80, that picture is probably close to 80 pair, and I've bought a couple since then. Um, my wife actually works at Finish Line, and she has 103 pairs. So another two stacks of that. And, uh, since I was talking about shoes, I thought it was interesting. 
Um, I got all my pictures from Flickr, so I didn't stock me all of them. And that's, uh, that's about all I have.
I wear a lot of those. So it's really important to have the right shoe when you're running. Yeah, it is. It, it'll take, um, one thing I didn't do anything, if you'll notice anything about Nike shocks. Um, I didn't talk about them because I didn't want to just talk bad about a shoe, but they're actually the number one shoe to cause lower back pain in shins once and runners. Um, they used to be designed for running. They were a running shoe, you know, seven, eight years ago now, and now they sell so well that they're more of a casual shoe, and you can just tell by the way they're designed and the way they look, and people will still buy them to run and then people come back and be mad because they hurt. But, so yeah, I, Nike has gone a, a long way from just the shop. What store do you work at? Champs. Um, the Quail Springs Mall. under an hour, which is wonderful, to work on Scratch. So um, what I want to invite you to do is to um, come up and share something that you learned uh, doing your Scratch project, and everybody does not have to share. You don't all have to do this, but um, it would be a great thing if we had several folks who were willing to, to be able to share. Um, one of the important things about learning Scratch is recognizing that we're going to teach each other. You know, the questions Laurel I had this morning are things that I've read something about, but I'm not exactly sure how to do. And so <clears throat> before we, I'll, I'll do a little share on mine, and then I'll open the floor for uh, folks who are willing to, to share on yours. On our resources section, <clears throat> when you go to our section about Scratch, I want you to notice um, that we've... Oh, that's what I was going to do. Um, I'm go there's, a, there's a lot of great resources here. Um, one of the things that I have not given you a copy of but you might want to look at is the Scratch Reference Guide. This is a PDF file that 
um, has a real step-by-step, here's how you can begin with scratch. And so it talks about basic ingredients, sprites and costumes, blocks and scripts. All right, so there's good vocabulary here. Here's a diagram showing the stuff we went over last time, where this is called the stage. Um, this is called the sprite list. Um, this is where our scripts are. This is, I didn't know this, the blocks palette. We've got our save buttons, those things. So um, then it goes into detail about you know, how big is the stage. We've got the origin at 0, 0 in the very middle, and it goes out to 240, and it goes up to 180, and up and down both ways. There's a presentation mode and a view mode. It goes into how we can create our sprites with the three different icons. We can draw one, we can select a costume, and we can also get a surprise sprite. In fact, that's how I did my project. With uh, I worked with Rachel to just brainstorm a quick little story, and we just got three random sprites and made a story about it. And that's how, how we did our uh, project. Um, this talks a little bit about the blocks palette and, and the scripts area, how you can move an entire stack together, right? You don't have to just move them one at a time. And we talked last week about right-clicking and how you can duplicate them. Um, then there's talk about costumes, because each sprite you know, has scripts that goes with it. It has costumes, and then it also has sounds. So you can see that this is a pretty extensive uh, set of documentation. And so I'd encourage you to take a look at this. If you really want to print it, you certainly uh, could, you know, it's good to be green and, and not print everything. Um, you can have this be electronic, but this might be something that you'll want to go through and read. This is a linear way of looking at learning Scratch. How many of you think you're a linear learner? Like you like to just start at step one, step two, and have it that way. Is anybody more random? Does anybody else just kind of like to jump into something and give a try? It varies, right? You're going to, it's going to, one of the things I, I hope I mentioned last week or the week before was I want you to study yourself as you're learning Scratch. How is it that I learn? Um, what are the things that are most helpful to me? Uh, a lot of times it's when I need it, right? If I need to know how can I make this go faster, then I learn about you know how to use a loop or how to do something um, that involves uh, timing or you know changing the weight of something. Um, so here's uh, the answer to one of Lorelai's questions. She had asked about uh, a score. So here in the scratch guide on page 11, it says some reporter blocks have a checkbox next to them. If you click the box, a monitor appears on the stage displaying the current value of the reporter. And so this is how you can have a score. And maybe I'll set that as a goal for myself. And you decide what you want your goals to be with Scratch. I want everybody to get stretched and learn more. And most of us are starting at, you know, ground zero with our learning. But, uh, you know, it'd be kind of cool to learn how to keep a score. So page 11 of the Scratch Guide goes through that. Now, this starts to also get a little more complicated as far as strings, which are letters and words. So, you know, you can set variables to be different things and then you can have keyboard input so you don't just have to click the green flag you can move the mouse you can have people press a space bar or an arrow key things like that to be able to move and here are you know the motion ones and you can say I mean just at a basic level when I press the up arrow make the sprite go up 10 steps when I press the left arrow make it go left 
and you can drive the sprite in that way. So these go through our different blocks, and then, um, boy, I've never even seen that motor blocks. Oh, oh, yeah, wow. That's if you <clears throat> have a Lego WeDo, which is like a thing that you connect to this, because you can dr you can create programs similar to what Lego Robotics does, um, the more advanced ones, but you can actually use your uh, Scratch uh, programs to make Lego robots do stuff. So anyway, that's I've never done anything with that yet. Yeah, I'm not that advanced with my Legos, but uh, that would be kind of cool to be able to learn. So that's the Scratch Guide. Great, great resource. What I'm going to do um, today is I'm going to go ahead and print off the Scratch cards, and we're going to do um, a turn, pair, and share activity. In fact, we may, we may just do this rather than open up the, the room for sharing. Um, Now that's the reference guide. So these download as a as a PDF. It'd be nice if there was a fast way to do all of these. I I had actually laminated these uh, at one time, and I forgot to bring them today. So these are set up as printables, and obviously if we have a color printer, that would look cool. But we would also use ink. But you just print these off, fold them in half, and then you can glue them. Um, today we're not going to use glue, so we'll just print these off and fold them. But what this is, the way that this is set up is you can um, have different students, and this is what we're going to do today, have you work in, part, in uh, pairs. Each pair get a card, and then you're going to have some time, like we might give you um, 10 minutes or so, to experiment with this particular set of scripts and then come back and share with the class what you learned about those scripts using it, okay? So this is a different, kind of a different way of, of doing the lesson. This is sometimes called a jigsaw strategy and when we have expert groups, so you're going to become the expert. If you have this, this card, this is the keep score card, it shows you the scripts that you need <clears throat> you can play with that, and so you'll um, create a project and then share that with us. You'll want to share the project you make uh, or save the project that you make here in a minute with your partner on your um, flash drive. Goodness gracious. Sorry about that. Okay, so those are the scratch cards. Lots of different great resources. The last thing that I'm going to point out to you is um, this link that says scratch project types. This week, I would like for you to sh create and share another Scratch project. You can build on what you did before, but I would encourage you to think about maybe creating something, you know, all over or just from scratch. Just, just start over. Create a Scratch project from scratch. Um, this says these are the main kinds of projects, animations, games, simulation, music, art, and stories. There's also these other uh, types. I, would, I don't think we'll be creating spam, but there are spam projects that people create. Isn't that unfortunate? Um, underneath stories, you can um, click on, don't they have examples? Huh. Okay, it's saying that stories mostly fit into the animation category. That's interesting. And they commonly reach the front page. 
there's imagination here, right? So what are we going to what are we going to create? It's going to be you know based upon our imagination. But these are different categories to look at. So don't overlook the resources that are here on the scratch page. Um, I'm showing you some of these, but there's a lot more. Feel free to use and copy anything we do in our class in the future. I plan to keep these resources available and online, so you know it's free to me to do that and. My goal in sharing this is not just so that you can get a good grade in our class this semester, but so that you have these resources that you can you know, utilize when you get into your classroom as well, or just when you have a chance to work with a young person. So, and then, of course, they don't have to be a young person either. Um, let me real quick show you uh, the project that uh, I created this week, and I'll talk about what I learned. I'll try to turn my volume down so it's not so loud. Um, okay, so download the four sprites and the 17 scripts of the unexpected cruise. We just clicked on the random uh, sprite icon here, and we got three random scripts. We got uh, the cat, we got the boat, and we got an elephant. And um, then I decided to use a shark. So we'll go to full screen, and we'll play this. Piece, but we learned a lot, and that was the whole goal of the assignment, was to go ahead and, and learn some things about um, how we can create some of this different stuff. So real quickly, um, we've talked about this. There are scripts that go on your sprites, and there are scripts that go on your stage. Each one of your sprites, um, as well as the stage, can have either costumes or a background, and it can have sounds that go with it. So um, the main thing that I was using to tell this story was the broadcast tag. Over here under control, there's a uh, tag that says broadcast. And I can drag broadcast out and make it say whatever I want to um, as far as a message. I'm having some trouble getting it to not attach. Stop. Um, broadcast is like saying, it's scene one, it's scene two, the elephant's entering, you know, whatever you want it to do. So I can just come in here and say new, and I could say, um, you know, big explosion or whatever I want to. I don't think I've, I think I could probably put spaces in this. I usually just kind of a programming thing. I just, I usually don't. But 
when this happens, then it's going to broadcast that to the whole project. So what is happening here in our script? Well, let's first look at the stage and what happens. Okay. On the stage, I've got some different backgrounds. I have a white background. I have a city, and then I have a night city, and then I have the water, right? So I've got these three different backgrounds. So I had to import those backgrounds, and then they are going to be available, and I gave them names, so they have, have separate names. And these are the scripts. When the green flag is clicked, it switches to the white background. That's what it starts with. And then these other control scripts tell the background to change when they receive a broadcast. So when one of the sprites says, it's time for scene one, then the background changes to Night City. I could change it to be something else. It could be any of those. But, you know, the steps and processes, what do you think we started with here before we even went to scratch? Or I guess we went to scratch and did our, our sprites, but what do you think we had to plan? Yeah, we had to plan the story, and we had to talk about it. And Rachel said, no, why, don't she, why don't you make the uh, cat uh, look through the trash and then uh, go, you know, go on the ship with his friend, the elephant. So, okay, well, that's, a, that's an idea. So <clears throat> we, that was all the story that we created. But you could, of course, have students take a piece of writing that they've already done, and then they put that into Scratch. Um, it's a really good idea to have kids write down their planning for their project. They can make a storyboard, which I use butcher paper as a fourth grade teacher, you know, and you can make it really neat, but the main thing is let's plan. Let's get our ideas down because we're going to do better on the computer when we have a plan and we know what we're going to do. We will vary it and change it, but <coughs> it's important <coughs> to plan stuff out. All right, so... Uh, basically, I have three main scenes and then the end. So the cat is involved the, the most. And what happens at the beginning? Did anybody find a reset button for Scratch? Anybody find one? I looked for one, and on the forums it said, there's not one. You have to design your project so that it sets everything like you want it at the beginning. So that's what I did here is I said, because I was going to change the size of these, I said, make the cat 100% size, show him, make him go to the middle, play the sound of the cat, and then say, welcome to our story. Wait one second, hide him, <clears throat> and then broadcast, it's time for scene one. All right? So that is what happens at the beginning when you click that. Now, what's going to happen in scene one? Well, uh, we won't play the whole thing, but... What are the things you see changing? Background, Background changed. What else? Okay, the shark came in. Cat went away. And the music started and the shark starts going really fast. Okay? So that probably means we have to have stuff happening over here with Sprite 5. And we do. When he receives scene 1, he does some things. First, he goes over here to the side. He becomes 50% his size. He's really not that big. He's twice that big normally. So that's a look script to change your size. And then he shows up. We play the sound of the gong. So that means that he's got to have that sound over here. There's a Star Wars theme that I got off the web. Um, and uh, I got the gong and the guitar chords in there. By the way, is this illegal? Is George Lucas going to come sue me? Why not? 
I'm using a small portion and I'm creating a transformative work. This is a remix. If I would take somebody's music and song and just put it on the internet completely as it is and reduce the opportunity that other people would have to download uh, for money that particular song and I have not done anything to, to evaluate or uh, criticize or you know, transform their work, that's probably not fair use. <clears throat> but doing something like this in a creative project, particularly when I'm using a small portion of it, is going to be fair use. And so that's going to be fine. Um, Sure, right, yeah. Oh, and that was an a, a question that came up this week, too, is attribution. And that's something we can handle attribution in different ways here. Uh, that's something we could just put on our rubric to say, you know, where I don't want you to get so hung up on attribution, but you could, we can have ways maybe at the end where we could put links or in the comments for our project, you know, different places. Okay, so then he's going to start, he's going to glide to the middle, and he's going to say, a long time ago in a city not too far away. So I want you to know that you can do that with this tag, the say tag. Say something, and when you drag it out, then you click on what you want that character to say. Then it plays the Star Wars theme, and he glides to another location. Then the loop starts, and this is where I was playing with math here because I had to figure out, you know, I wanted him to be real excited and move around, you know, how fast did he have to go? He glided two-tenths of a second in between that, and then how many times did I want him to repeat that? So that was a process of, of figuring that out. And then the sound stopped, and um, I switched his costume. Now look at his costumes a little bit. Um, how did I do costume one and costume two, do you think? Yeah, yeah. So when you import a costume and you go to anything, well, let's, I'll do a different one. Let's do the fox. Okay. When you're going to import it and you can edit it, you've got these buttons up here to flip your costume. So you can have the same costume, but then you can flip it, you can rotate it, you can change it. And so you can have the same costume in there multiple times. I don't want to keep the fox in there. But that's you know, just what I did so that I had a shark that was facing the left and one that was facing the right. Okay? So being able to go in and look at scripts, and when you see something like, man, I wonder how they did that, um, that's one of the great things about Scratch is being, able, is being able to have that kind of transparency. All right. So um, the elephant um, just has something in this scene when he enters. And this is something, too, as far as the, talk, the, uh, the talking. You notice that there's pausing in here. And so that was just a matter of having so many seconds. You remember the Monster Mash project I showed you the first day? That's a pretty complicated project with a lot of scripts, and um, it uses timing as well as the broadcast flag to work. And so, you know, I just had to figure out by trial and error how many seconds should he wait, and then the next one is going to happen, and then the next one. So, um, anyway, I want you to know about the broadcast tool. And this week, I'd, I'd like for you to try and do a project that involves some kind of storytelling. Maybe it's more accurate to call this just an animation, but I guess this is a story too, so 
It's not a very involved story. <clears throat> I think one of the things I'm going to try this week is to, is to do a, a choose-your-own story a little bit. Do you all remember reading those choose-your-own-adventure stories or seeing those before? Did you ever read those? Where it, you know, you get to the bottom of page two and it says, if you want to go into the cave, turn to page 15. If you'd like to, you know, enter the castle, you know, then do this. So, um, I might try a little bit of that because, again, we can, right? This isn't just something that has to be a linear story. It could be branching. So that would be a little more complicated, but I'll try that. Any questions or comments about the broadcast? Control script or the idea of doing a storytelling. This was tricky, by the way. Um, when the the ship and the, and the cat, uh, because he had the cat, I had to figure out. I had to figure out, <laughs> you know, where where the cat needed to be in order to move with the ship, okay? So the ship was going to be moving here and the cat, and they needed to move at the same time. So anyway, lots of stuff. An hour and a half, yeah. But I was working together with Rachel, and we were – talking about it together and you know and I've this is this is what my third scratch project to actually share and I've been you know I'm playing with it a little bit don't be intimidated you don't have to you're not going to be you know compared we're not going to rank everybody and go well only three people get A's on their scratch project and you know we're not grading on a curve it's nothing like that so all right, well, here's what I'd like to do. We're going to do a jigsaw with the scratch cards. So I have printed all 12 of the scratch cards uh, here. I would like for you to find a partner. I hope we have an even number of people so everyone can be with a partner. I hope we have enough scratch cards. If something weird happens, then we'll have a group of three. But let's try to have everybody with, um, with a partner. I'm going to give you 10 minutes. So you and your partner are going to take your scratch card, read it, Open up a new Scratch project, and then I want you to play with the scripts that are on there, figure out how it works, learn how it works, and then we're going to do kind of like lightning shares, quick shares about your cards, and just come up real quick and uh, share what you learned about your card. Okay? All right. You have 10 minutes. Find your partner and go and grab a, grab a card. They're all different. Uh huh, and your cards are all different. So, with your partner. Does anybody not have a partner? All right, yeah, you guys, you can pull your chair up or, or shift, shift over wherever you want. Together. I mean, I'd do it together on one. 
Ask me for help. What? What's your? Uh huh. Hang on a second. Let me finish this print, and then I'll come help you. If you finish with your partner, we still have a few other scratch cards, so you guys can come get another one if you've mastered your first one. Because some of them are some of them are simpler than others. Uh huh. Yep. You can just open another project and keep that one. Rather than save it to your flash drive, let's just, we don't have, we do have a lot of people, but let's just, uh, we'll just gather around people's computers and have them show it on the computer, and that'll make it easier that we don't have to transfer stuff and open it. And if you want to add a little extra to your project with this, the script that you have. Okay. Is that on? It's on here. Okay. Um, is it in their uh, operators, maybe? Or well, I've, we looked at all of them. And there's let me let me actually pull it up. Let's keep score because it'll actually. This is that's a good reason to print these in color. What does it say? The title of yours is uh, keep, keep score. score. Okay, it is 
orange. It's under variables. Oh, that would be variables. Okay. Oh, yeah. Should we just make a variable? I think you have to, yeah, I guess you have to make a variable first. So why don't you call it score? There. Cool. Now it appears. Of course. How do we make it work when I click Hill? This guy also can move at the same time just from clicking Hill. Okay. Um, you need some kind of control script. So, like, if you want it to start with the green flag, then drag when the green flag um, happens. I'm trying to get it to where when, though, when we click on Hill. That's because the bill says... No. When, you oh, when duck is clicked? Okay. Wait. So, right. Drag this one out and see if that's it. Oh, no, wait. See, it says when Sir Gerald clicked? Yeah. When we do that, though, we have to click him individually. So you have to click well, both him and then you have to click the okay, so Gerald and Big Joe Rat. Okay. So click on him. Click Big Joe. Okay, you got this. When Big Joe Rat is clicked, now you want to send the message that this guy does something when he's yeah. clicked, right? Mm -hmm. So you need an event. So say broadcast oh, okay. and put the broadcast in there, and then put that like right at the beginning or wherever you want him to start moving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then change that and make a, a message like it could be scene one or scene you know one, jump yeah. into action or, or you know action. Just type something that's going to be. Um, your message. It's just what you're going to broadcast. Yeah, cool. Okay, now I'll go over to Sir Gerald, and you're going to say, when I receive scene one. Okay, so now try it. Click on him. Oh, there we go. Okay. So that triggers. That triggers it. So that bro I think that broadcast uh, is, a, is a big deal because it allows the communication in between yeah. sprites. It's an announcement. This is scene one. And then, okay. you know, whatever you want can happen okay. when that scene one happens. Okay, you've got about two minutes and 20 seconds, and then we're going to go around the room and have each group share what they learned about their scripts. So if you're not ready to share, you have two more minutes to get ready.
Okay. I know that you didn't have time to perfect in all possible ways your card, but what I think we'll do, there's a, there is a fancy way that we can share the screen, but I think we're going to be low-tech and just get up and move. So um, we'll just kind of go through these in order. we got 20 minutes, so we'll kind of gather around the screen, and you all are the teachers for basically two minutes, and tell us everything you learned about the, the, the scratch card scripts that you had. So who had change color? Anybody have change color? Okay, let's all come and gather around here at the front, and we'll... <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. If we don't, I don't know, though. We may have... You guys are the teachers, so tell us what you oh. tell us what you did here. We just um, we decided instead of just one, we did three of them, and then he ran the rush scripts. Oh. And then um, it's like on this one, we did change color effects by 25, and then on this next sprite, we did change it by 50, and the next one we did change color by 75, and that way they all changed to different colors at the same time. Because at first green. they were all changing the, the same. same colors. And Oh, okay. But you have to press the space. The so space bar to, to make it change. Oh, okay. And then we just added. We made them fly. So we made them fly. But each time you press the space bar, the colors change. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Very cool. Yeah. They're colored butterflies. <laughs> okay. Very good. Who had moved to a beat? All right, let's gather around the You can't hear it though. I mean, yeah, I should have brought some extra speakers. We don't have the audio That's yeah. She Do you want to save your script to a flash drive real quick and we'll put it on the screen? or? It, um, it it's, just a drum. it's just a drum. Okay. It's supposed to be moved into it. But um, all we did was we put the, um, we found the sprite, we did the background. Press escape there and we'll go to your scripts. Uh, we, we chose just the Okay, so it was, so it was an alternating script, yeah. basically, that repeated. This is a good reason to print it in color, actually, since all the scripts or blocks have, you know, their own colors. It's harder when it's black and white to figure out, you know, what is that? So, Okay, awesome, good job. Who had key moves? You guys did? Okay.
take your arrow keys and you can go up. So it'd be good for the game if you were doing something or something. Cool. So that's under the yellow control. Yes. And then point and direction, 0, 180, uh, 90, oh. 90. Okay. So you're doing the math about what directions, 180 south or down, 90s. And then neither one of us really realized that you could start with just you thought you always had to have the green arrow. Right, the green but flag. When you're using these, you don't have yep, to. Yep, that's right. A different control sequence. So sometimes you might then put instructions at the beginning. So like on your first background, it might say, use your arrow keys to, you know, drive the mouse or whatever you wanted to say. And the thing that's cool to put with this one too is the sensor. So you can say when you touch the edge or when you touch such and such, you know, something else happens. And that can cause you to have a score or something to blow up, an exciting sound. So, okay, very good. Who had say something? Okay. Good example of how you can hear something and it's just in one ear, not the other. But if you do it yourself, you know. Yeah. So what what did you um, name your scene, your uh, broadcast, and uh-huh. how did we, that work? We went through um, on the first one here. The, the first scene is broadcast one, which is him moving up, and then that moves into broadcast two, which is where this guy goes. So. Will you do it again? Yeah, play it again. Does anything else happen with scene one? Um, uh, no. So really, you could probably have taken no, no. You, nothing. There was nothing on it. It was just okay. Yeah. You know, something else. If you were going to add something else to it, okay. But this is this is all in scene one. Okay. So moves up. This is him just going up towards that, and then he switches his costume, which is the fire, and then. This one here is where the starting position. That's him being the, the his costume where he's you know, breathing fire and moving and then switching him to the costume where he's not. Okay. <laughs> and then your script on the night, what is, what does that do? What's your script for him? What he's doing is he's gliding uh, and then he says help. Okay. Okay, so the broadcast thing, I, I'm going to have to work it myself, but you, to broadcast, that's how you get them to do things together. So you're going to put it on one of them, and you're going to say broadcasting one, and then you're going to go to the other script or the other sprite and say, do this when we go to scene one. Yes, and exactly. That's, how, that's what broadcast mm-hmm. is. It's like an announcement. It's like somebody says, it's time everyone for scene it. one, okay. and then everyone hears it, and they can do things when they hear it. So that's the kind of broadcast. Right. Okay. 
And it'll automatically show up in the pop-up menu after you create it. So you create your broadcast first, and then whenever you put in a when I receive, it'll automatically have that as a selection that you can choose. So if you're there and you're clicking on something and the other guy's not moving, just, oh, yeah, it's a broadcast. <laughs> and there may be other ways to do that. Well, another way to do that actually is with time. If you do it with the green flag, you can say when the green flags click, wait five seconds. You know, and then if it takes four seconds for that uh, dragon to move where you want it, then he can start to move, you know, at five seconds. So there's always just about more than one way to do something. But I think for storytelling, broadcast is really good because it can get really complicated with the seconds of like, oh, now I've made that, you know, change that second, I have to adjust everything else. Right. A broadcast is a little easier because it just says, you know, when I say scene two, start to do that. Okay, good job. Uh, who did glide? Well, okay. What, uh, and so on the glide one, a, a there are some basic challenges you can give students. Like, I want you to take a sprite and move him from corner to corner. You know, make him go up to the upper left and upper right or whatever. And the math that you kind of figure out with that, with position and distance and time and stuff like that. What did you guys do with your next one that you were playing with? The second one was just to like, there's a, a, music, a sound clip and using a, a letter to cue just showed like the broadcast. This one was when the W key is pressed. Okay. So you're using a key as a trigger instead of um, the green flag. Right. And it was, it was just that using the W key played the sound and then setting your world Right. Does it just kind of twist it? You can import them. Then, uh, you wait so it doesn't move too fast or too slow. But I added a background and another dancer because I thought it was only dancing more. <laughs> but she's not that uh, great to import it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's the, again, the swirl effect? Right. And there would be uh, sound. Okay. All right. Great. Um, let's see. So that was dance twist, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, who had interactive whirl? Did anybody do that one? You may not. There were like two. No, it's over there. Okay. Uh, who had animate it? That one's over there, too. Okay. Who had moving animation? <laughs> really? All right. How about surprise button? That was you. Changes 
So I need to have one of those plug-in speakers that just, you know, like you plug into your iPod or something like that to do that. Huh. All right. Very good. Um, who had keep score? Okay. <laughs> so basically we had to create a variable for the score, that was our problem, and be able to set a scoreboard on there. But once we went in there and made a variable and made a score, it came up we had options, so we could set the scoreboard to be in here. And then we set it up so that, like, I think, I, we didn't get to watch it yet, so I don't even know what it does. See, obviously it's not doing what it's supposed to do, I don't think. <laughs> it, it's a random... He just got option. a big score. He got his 31. Wow. <laughs> we hadn't finished setting it up, so like how um, the sound was or what, some of the way he moved um, to get him to move correctly. But technically, something is supposed to go on. If he touches this fish sometime in his lovely little rounds, he gets a point every time he touches the fish because it's like he ate him. Cool. And so if we combine it with the script you all had with the arrows, you know, you think about a Pac-Man game. You know, you could have it that when you touch the dot, give a point, and then the dot hides, you know, or something like that for doing the score. The trickiest thing with this was when we clicked, you clicked variable the first time, there wasn't anything to do. So you had to create the variable, and then these other options showed up. So that's definitely an advanced thing, but um, we could find some different uh, projects on the Scratch website that we could look at and see how they, how, how they do that. Why is he moving so erratically? How'd you get him to do that? I, well, it's supposed to be a pick a random negative 30 to 30 degrees. Oh, okay. And so, then turn. Like, it's just supposed to be completely random. And so, like, if he catches the fish somewhere in there, and I'm thinking, it doesn't say in here about the fish moving, but my assumption is the fish is supposed to move at some time. Here's an idea. There, go to motion, and there's something that can say move towards something else. See, point and move towards. Drag that point towards script and put it before the move five steps. So put it after your turn, okay? And now say move towards sprite one. Okay, now, now run it. Oh, now he's, he's doing really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think Look, he's right at that. Except for he would have to, he would want to move away. Like if you were trying, or if you were trying to control the little fish, you'd be like clicking him, like wherever you could try to get him away from this guy. Well, I well it, uh, it can have point towards uh, mouse pointer or something like. So like theoretically, you could have him go somewhere once you have him move, but. It's not set up to move. He just points towards it. But, you know, theoretically, you could make it move, I guess. Um, yeah. Or something, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, let's go back to our seats, and I'll, I'll uh, show you a quick thing on... Yeah, you don't have to save these. Um, the one scratch game that I've made before... I think I showed I showed you this thriller at Crack, Sax, Crack Axle Canyon. Did I show you this before? I did or didn't? Oh, okay. Um, all right. So here 
Well, I'll, I'll play it first. The monster around? twice because it's in the background too. I've got to play on the web. So her speed of her sprite, ah, you got me, is a little bit faster than this bad guy. Um, and so in order for this to work, um, I used, okay, when, when the monster enters, okay, she goes here and then forever she's going to point well, what was this? So that's the monster. Sorry. All right. When she receives the broadcast ready for Sarah, she, um, she goes to 20% size, goes to this location. This is the glide when they go around the box. And then... Um, I was like, where's all the other stuff? <laughs> okay. Then when the monster enters, it says, move your mouse to save me. And then, okay, forever, it's going to point toward the mouse pointer. She goes 10 steps, and then she waits, and then she changes the color. Here's where the touching stuff comes in. If I'm touching the monster, play the drum and say, ah, game over. And then repeat a whirl, change the size by negative 10, wait. She disappears and hides. Okay, so this is just saying that if she's going to touch the monster, she disappears and goes away. Um, the monster forever chases Sarah, moving five steps and waiting a quarter of a second. That's how he moves. I forever point towards Sarah. I only move four steps and I wait, you know, point two five seconds. So anyway, this was fun to play with, and this, there's no score here. Um, for my, my, I don't know what I'm going to do. For my, my, my third project for our class, I might try to do a score. But, um, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew if that's going to be frustrating because that is a little more complicated to have a score. You know, just work with the story idea. You know, have some different icons come in. Have them sit, broadcast some things. You know, the sounds are fun. Um, have, you've got a microphone, have some fun with it. You know, be creative. Um, there's lots of things you can do. But our goal this week is to create a second project, and I, and I think I mentioned it last time, but maybe I didn't. In order to share your project, this is all you do. You go up to the Share menu, you say Share This Online, and you put in your login with the stuff that you want to say about your project. So that's how it actually gets on the web, so you can link to it. And you can write a blog post. So last thing for today is when you go to our assignments, um, notice that I made some adjustments here. You're going to have quiz two, which is your next uh, blog post uh, reflection checkpoint quiz, due before next class on Tuesday. And um, 
we've got it now where our scratch projects are due before spring break. Um, we'll talk about that. I really like to grade these over spring break. Um, so we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. But I moved the uh, Pechacuchas back um, as far as a final reflection until after spring break because we'll have some people do their Pechacuchas here. So there is assignment for week eight, but it's really almost the same as what we had this week. Do uh, another project, share it, and write a reflection about it. Have a great week. Uh, yes, if you could please put your scratch cards uh, just on the table here in the middle, that would be great. We'll use the next, next class. probably did it right, and I just need to go in there and, and grade it. So I'm going to get caught up on, on my grades. And if you put your link in and you have a reflection, not 100% on it. It's just that I probably haven't graded that yet. Okay. So I'll get back with you this week. Thank you so much. Have a good week. All right. You too. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Hopefully. Hopefully things will calm down a little bit. Yes, I'm happy. Hang in there. Yeah, I mean, if you need to, you can. I mean, I'm, I'm ready. It's just like I got a couple slides that the images aren't like great. Like I was on like two or three, and I'm like not. I just had like two tests this week. I'm like okay. scattered. I'm like, I'm, I guess I'm ready. Like I have it. If you feel me. good and you want to do it, let's do it. And but if you want to delay, I mean, your grade's not going to be affected negatively by a couple pictures that right. need to be tweaked. Right. So, but yeah, if you if you want to if you want to switch it and you feel better about that, that's fine. I mean, if it's on with you, I guess so. It's yeah. I it, I would love it if you go, but if you if you want to wait, you can. I kind of feel better. I just, I'm so scared. Like I'm sure. Gonna... So that's fine. Do you get my email through WebCT? My name is Brittany. You don't get my WebCT emails, and you did the right thing, sending it there. Well, um, I've been emailing you through Gmail, which I guess it comes out of my personal, but my UCO is forwarded, so I was confused about it. Okay. okay it comes through as like paper at Gmail instead of. So okay. that's why I went through you connect this time. Okay. Um, I didn't know if you had something after class today, because since I have been gone as a general and all that, right. um, I'm really confused about how to make my own scratch. I've messed with it for so long. Okay. So my boyfriend looked at it, and I'm just not sure that I'm... We'll spend at least an hour in class today playing oh, today? with it, okay. uh -huh, working sure. with it, that's and we'll, we'll talk about our options, because okay. especially the, for the first one was uh, just, you know, play and experiment with, okay. you know, some different things. Thank you. And I'll, I'm going to do a, um, I'm going to do an open lab next Friday. I can't do one this Friday. Um, well, I mean, I could do it in the afternoon, too. Because I have classes that every time that you've scheduled an open lab, okay. Okay. Well, um, if, is there like is Friday after does Friday afternoon work? Fridays I usually get out by noon. Okay. Okay. If you want to send me an, uh, an email, and WebCT is good. I'll I'll check and get that. Um, 
and let me know a good time. Okay. I'll change. I think, well, was it in WebCT or was it, yeah, I didn't check on my WebCT messages, so that was my fault. Do you want to go this week? Pardon me, do you want to go this week? I didn't bring any of my stuff with me. Okay, so I'll check my WebCT messages and then we'll just schedule you the week after spring break. Okay, and I have one more other question. My computer has Microsoft Works presentations. Do you know if that's compatible with... I'm not sure. Um, I think it probably is because I think like a PowerPoint might not open in that, mm -hmm. but that will open in this. Okay. The safest thing would be try a couple slides, not your whole thing, and then bring it and, okay. and see how it works. Thank you.